listening to Making a Difference About Domestic Violence and Abuse with host Shereen Rice on the CWR Talk Network. Good evening, this is Shereen Rice with Making a Difference About Domestic Violence. My goal for this show is to educate and help in the healing journey for those that are suffering from domestic abuse. I'm pre-recording tonight, so you cannot call in, and um, we have a great uh guest today so you'll you'll totally love it anyway if you're listening tonight and you'd like to get in touch with me you can email me at shereen cwr at gmail.com that is s-h-a-r-e-e-n-e c-w-r at gmail.com i would love to hear from you i'd like to remind everyone that our show is on every thursday night at 6 p.m pacific 7 mountain 8 central my show can also be heard on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Google Play if you subscribe to those services. If you want a direct link to those services, you may go to the CWR homepage on that website, cwrtalknetwork.com, and click on the logo for that service. If at any time you experience a trigger by this topic, please call the national hotline. It's 1-800-799-SAFE or 1-800-799-7233. And we'll be right back for our public from our public service announcement. This message is for all of you sitting in the passenger seat. And apologies if it gets a little uncomfortable, but how does it feel to be at the mercy of someone who thinks a random text is more important than your life? Someone who takes their eyes off the road while speeding along in a three-ton hunk of steel. Freaky, right? Well, why not just ask them to stop? Or better yet, volunteer to text for them. It might be a little awkward, but believe me, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Welcome back to Making a Difference About Domestic Violence and Abuse with your host, Shereen Rice, on the CWR Talk Network. Welcome back. This is Shireen with Making a Difference About Domestic Violence. My guest tonight, let me tell you a little bit about her, is Tammy, and she's an advocate against domestic violence and has experienced it in her own life. And then three years ago, she lost her daughter to domestic abuse as well on March 31st, 2017. She fights for educating people on domestic violence, and she will talk to us tonight about updates on her daughter's case. Um, welcome, Tammy. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. Okay, so uh, first thing, why don't you share uh, Cammie's story with us? Okay, um, Cammie was a beautiful, smart, fun-loving child that grew up to be a little heavier and um, kind of, um, she wasn't very confident. So, um the men she dated would play on that, um, on her confidence and make her feel worse, basically. She got into a long-term relationship for about 12 years, and she had two kids with him, and he was massively abusive. He um, belittled her, left her, would um, bring other women to the house and um, anyway, she finally got away from him in 2016. We went and picked her up from Layton where he was living with her and his girlfriend, and she was supporting him. 
Um, oh, great. Uh, so then we um, brought her home, and she had been talking to this um, Anthony Christensen with her. Uh, she'd been talking to him on and off, and she, he had said she, he'd went to jail because he'd been involved in drugs and he wanted a new life. And so he um, wanted to move out of, they knew each other in high school, so he, or elementary, I can't remember what she said, but so he wanted to get out of the state of Wyoming. So she said, well, you can come down here. And, and anyway, they went and she went and got him in December, the end of December. And immediately she started showing signs of being abused again. And I asked her if he was hitting her. And she said, no, I swore I'd never get back into that. I told you once Donnie had quit hitting me, I would never do that again. I would never get, uh, once I got out of that, I would never get in another one. So I knew, I was kind of annoyed that she was lying to me, but I didn't know how to get her to tell me the truth. And she said that um, she actually swore on her kids that he wasn't hitting her. So I said that she had become very, very clumsy. And I told her there was absolutely no way she had gotten that clumsy within two and a half months and she needed to go to the doctor. So she even had went to the doctor and had scheduled an MRI to show me that she had, um, that it was medical when um, the same night that he actually had killed her. He um, beat her to death in her front driveway on the side of the court is what we found out in the court. And um, he has drug us, he drug us through court over and over again for almost three years. It would have been three years, March 31st, and he pled guilty the end of January, uh, and they sentenced him on March 4th. So it, it was almost three years after he killed her that he finally admitted to it and he didn't admit to all of it and he kind of blamed her to um he said but he said he couldn't argue he didn't agree with all the points but he couldn't argue about it because his um attorney had had him take this plea so he couldn't bring it up anymore but um he they, they had literally he had she had made it to her they figured the evidence shows that he'd made her she made it to the car he got her away from the car. She, she had climbed under a storage diesel thing trying to get away from me. He drug her out of there. And he it was like 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, but he had beat her right there in her driveway, and she had screamed. And neighbors said he, they'd heard her scream, but they thought it was a cat. So no one went to investigate Um, If I can stress anything, it is if you feel something's not okay, call the cops. Go investigate. If you hear something that sounds suspicious, even if it's 3 a.m. in the morning, I'd rather call the cops and be wrong than someone die. Right. So she, um, he called the cops at about 1130 that day and said he'd found her dead in the bathroom um so they had interviewed him and then let him go um they were looking for her car because they said he said that she had taken off in her car and he didn't know where it was or 
um, and that she had been with a friend. So at first they thought it was a car accident, which I don't know how they did because when we saw her, there was absolutely no way anybody anybody would not know that that was somebody had been beaten. She he broke every bone in her face. It was horrible. Oh, no. Um, uh, but, so he beat her really bad. Yes. Um, when we went to the court or to the sentencing hearing to do our impact statements and stuff, um, the attorney said that um, because I still have not been able to see, look at the autopsy report, maybe one mm-hmm. day I will, but at this time I'm not. Right. And um, she, he had, um, her whole brain was covered with what internal bleeding. She had um, bruises over her entire body, her entire body. Um, There were bruises on top of bruises, so he had continued the um, mortician had said that that usually meant he he'd continued basically to beat her after she had died, probably. Mm in a fit of anger um, Mm. that she had the nerve to die because after she got killed, we found out a bunch of information that we should have found out before and had not known about. And this wasn't the first person he had been even arrested for abuse. He had three felony convictions in Wyoming for domestic battery. So... Yeah, three. And and he had told her that it was alcohol, right? Right, alcohol related. Or no, drugs. It was actually drug related. Did he tell her it was in Wyoming, though? He, she knew he was from Wyoming, but she didn't think to Google him. She didn't, I mean, she was a very And I don't know if she can't even Google him and find out that information, but you know what? That information is public if she went to Wyoming to, I mean, she didn't have to go. She could just call them and find out what the charges were. I'm wondering if I know, but it didn't even occur to her to think that he was lying. But well, I and think, none of us would really, right? But in England, they have a a law where you can go into any police. Like, like I said, I knew he was hitting her, but I yeah. she swore to me he wasn't. Um, they have a law in the United Kingdom that um, you can go into any police station and get their police report if you suspect something. For free, and they'll give you a background check. Is and, that um like um it is like if uh, if uh, it was in one city um and you went into another one, they would have that information. Is it like right. a, a, a countrywide uh thing? It's, yeah, it's yeah, it's if you um you can go anywhere and they can tell you any convictions they made they've ever been convicted of. If this were to be law over here, great. So it would be. I think we really need it. Um, he's. If we could, if we would have just known, been able to. I mean, once she was killed, it was all over everywhere. The news stations. You can Google yeah. him now and see everything he ever did and was convicted of. Yeah, I did Google him. Mm-hmm. Um. So. I just feel that if you suspect something, maybe I should have, you could do what ifs and I I should have, 
or wise over and over again because there's nothing else you can do. But if I, I wish I would have um, pushed hard, not pushed harder, but been more open to her to be able to get her to tell me that he was hitting her. But they get them so scared and he must have threatened something. I know the night before he killed her, that day she had babysat her nieces and nephews and I was picking them up, her niece mm-hmm. and nephews, and I was picking them up and she, I said, she had said that she wished he'd just get angry enough to leave one time uh, a couple weeks before that. And I said, is it getting better or do you want to come home to, you know, do you want to come with me? And she says, oh, no, it's getting better. He got a new job, so it's more money and he's he's really excited and um, we're doing a lot better. But she just got his inc- her income tax money and he made her buy all kinds of crap with it. And I think that's why he was doing better is because he, she'd given in to some money, given him some money, but, um, and he killed her that next morning, Friday, early Friday morning. They put her time of death between three and 5 a.m. Let me ask you this. Um, I know we haven't talked about his court. Or anything, but why did they dismiss two charges? Um, he took a plea deal. He but he first went in for um, desecration of the body, uh, obstruction of justice, and first degree murder. When he got in trouble, he got in trouble in jail. He um, got um, can can. Uh, Assault by a prisoner, that's what it's called. So he got assault by a prisoner, and um, he, so they they tried to get him to take a deal on the assault by a prisoner, and uh, I didn't like the deal. It was a it was not a it was a plea deal, and they wanted him to do three to three to life for attempted murder resulting in death. Oh my gosh! And and he didn't, he turned it down. He said, "If I get a life sentence on any of this, I will never see. I'll never get out with my past convictions, and so I'm not taking that." So they they went ahead with the court dates on the assault by a prisoner. He, they had two separate filings, and uh, so the first one he got the them to push back the first court the second trial, but the first trial was, his trial date was supposed to be February 4th was when we were supposed to start trial. And um, he went to trial, uh, he wanted a speedy trial on this one because he said that they'd already drug out his other charges to a point where it was ridiculous. And the other charges he was referring to was his trial for the murder, but he was the one that had continually drugged that out. So anyway, um, they filed charges on him on the assault by a prisoner for the one case. And um, a jury found him guilty after they were presented with all the evidence in less than 15 minutes. So um, the prosecuting attorney had decided he wanted to go for what they call, it's the moniker they call it is a a habitual violent offender. They have to have been convicted 
of two previous offenses, and it had to be a jury that had already found him guilty of a third offense. So um, they went with they went to that and they presented the second half of the case to the jury, and the jury came back with a guilty verdict of habitual violence offender with less than five minutes. The um, the so it rocked him. He'd been so cocky and arrogant at every one we ever went to. Yeah, I remember. And and come to find out that um, he had never actually went to trial to any of the Wyoming ones. He always ended up taking a plea at the very last minute. And um, when he refused the three to life and the two, the zero to it was zero to five, one to fifteen, and three to life um, deal, plea deal, that one went away. So. Um, his attorneys came back to um, the prosecutor and said, I believe he's more open to a plea now that guilty verdict has, has rocked him back on his heels. And so they offered him a plea of one, um, one to 15 and five to one to 15 for the obstruction of justice, five to life, for the first degree murder. Plus he would he was found guilty in that first trial of the assault by a prisoner. It would have been a class A misdemeanor, but because they found him guilty of also the habitual violent offender, um, it increased it to a third degree felony. So it was already a five to life. He that the minimum sentence for that with that moniker was five to life. So he was already going down for five to life. So he agreed to take the plea of one to 15 and five to life. And then he already had that second, that first five to life. And so they dropped the desecration of a body and his second assault. So they didn't take him to trial for that second assault by a prisoner because he assaulted two separate prisoners. Right. And that's why they dropped the two. They dropped the... Uh, the desecration of a body and the um, second assault, and then he agreed to take the the one to fifteen and the five to life. See. Yeah, and uh, thank goodness he did uh, because he'll uh, now never get out. Hopefully. Um, also, uh, I like how they categorize them. You shared that with me just before we came on. You want to share that as well? The habitual violent offender, right? Yep. Um, that category. There's only five people that carry that moniker category in the United States prisons right now, and three of them are in Utah, and one of them is him. Good. You know, um, after I saw uh, what you posted that day that he was uh, guilty, the next day I I posted all over my Facebook, you can't even make my day a bad day because when I know that a domestic um, abuser is behind bars for life several times over, totally makes my day and no one can ruin it. (laughs) You know, and we need we need more of them because the fact of the matter is emotional abuse typically will roll into a physical abuser and they don't get help. Right. <laughs> Even when they, they say they move. get help, they're not getting help. Even when they say, oh, I'm trying to get, they, they don't get help. They don't know that they have a problem. 
right? They don't think they have a problem. A narcissist is, they're narcissistic. And right. you can look at it under the thing of narciss, a narcissist and see that it's not, it's not their fault. It's, it's everybody else's fault. fault. It's, it's everybody else's fault. And even right. when he took the plea, they said, the judge said, do you agree to this plea? Uh, did, did anybody make you take blah, 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 that, you know, whatever the judges do. Yeah. And he said, well, I don't agree with everything on it because she um, did wreck the car and come home and she pissed me off and I'd been drinking. But And his attorney kind of looked at him and he says, but I can't say I'm supposed to, I took the plea, so I can't, I can't rehash that. Oh, my God. So he was still trying to blame her. Yeah. After it's all her fault. Yeah, he was still trying to blame her after he'd already pled guilty for killing her. He was still trying to right. make her take the blame for partial of it. And he's yeah. like, he said that he's not, he punched her a couple times and she died. But the district yeah. attorney, or the, yeah, the prosecuting attorney, district attorney, he said um, this was not a simple punch in the face, glass jaw, they died. It was hours upon hours of beating and the autopsy proves it. It was he didn't just hit her and she went down and hit her head and died. He it was a long process. Right. And it was. And right. um, it was hard to hear. He hadn't warned me that he was going to go so in depth in the visual description of it, and it it was it kind of rocked you back to realize how bad bad it was because we knew how bad it was but to listen to it detailed out was brought it right back to life right back to the day we lost her and that police officer showed up at my I'm door I'm so sorry and, told me, Did, and I'm sure they gave you the option not to be there well they wanted us to be there so we um we all her brothers her bro, her one brother and her two sisters um, did a impact statement. They okay. wanted us to be there to do an impact statement. They said we could write it out, but if we could read it, it would be better. And the yeah. judge, it, to me and several other people that were there, because it was a standing room only um, courtroom. And yeah, that's that was, what I heard. They had done the regular court by themselves, and then they only had a couple more people there. But the, then they did his case, and he, um, so there was so many people standing there, and they said that um, they even felt, the judge was like, uh, the attorneys know I can't do anything else. They, you took this plea, and both sides know that it's not up to me. I just have to agree with it. And the, he says, but I don't agree with it, and I don't feel that any Board of Pardons will ever let you out. And if they do, I only feel it'll be once you're no longer to able to ever hurt anyone again. Good. And that was so, the judge? And that was Judge Bagley, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And Judge Bagley wasn't the one that – he was the one that heard the one um, – the assault by a prisoner case. But Judge Lee had been the one that they had dragged back and forth and back and forth over most of it. Um, judge Bagley was just handing down the sentence to the two separate cases. Okay. Uh, and he wasn't the one that 
so there was two judges in the room, or uh, Judge no. Bagley? Um, they who made that? Who made that comment? Oh, it was Judge Bagley. Yeah, he had made the comment, and then his attorney says, "Would you please note? Um, would you also please um, decree that he his um, he gets credit for time served?" And Judge Bagley says, "It's my it's under my knowledge that the Board of Pardons always, if he, if he ever gets up in front of the Board of Pardons, they will always give them credit for time served." He says, "But I'm not saying that." He says. I'm not giving in that. The Board of Pardons can decide. I don't feel that I should have. I'm not going to stand up here and say he gets credit for time served. Oh, my gosh. I love this guy. I love this guy more and more every day. (laughs) So they probably will, but it's not going to come from me. Oh, my gosh. I love this guy. Awesome. But he also said, I don't think you'll ever get out. I don't think you will ever see the light of the day. Good. He better not. It's just wrong. Oh, no. It's it's immoral it for him to ever see the light of day outside of the, a jail. I agree. I am so sorry what you've been through. It is absolutely horrible. Um, tell us a little bit about um, uh, how the case took a toll on you. Um, I know that you adopted your or you got custody of your grandbabies. Yeah, it wasn't their dad that killed them. They have a different dad, but he was right. He wasn't. It wasn't a good fit. After Cammy got killed, he was. He got in a relationship with with an ex girl with an old girlfriend, and he was fighting with her all the time and beating on her. And the cops were coming, and he was in and out of jail. So I just went and um, got legal guardianship of my grandkids. The last time he was in jail for six months. Wow. And. Um, so I've got the kids, and they're doing really well, and they're happy. They miss their mom. It's really hard because they, their mom was their whole world. That's all they had. Yeah. Their dad was yeah. in and out once in a while, not really a dad dad. And uh, he, he he would live with Cammy and help her co-parent, he would say. But the co-parenting thing was just him living off of my daughter. Mm-hmm. And so then after she got killed, there were surviving child benefits, and so he continued to live off my daughter. And then he lost mm. them. He lost the benefits because um, Social Security found out he was paying his commissary and his fines with the kids' money. And it would have been fine to pay the rent and the power and the gas because that's taking care of the children, but paying his commissary and his fines and not working – was not okay with them. Right. And so so me and at, um I'm fifty five, I'll be fifty six this year. I was a young grandma. I like her kids I didn't wasn't a grandma until I was um I guess probably in my thirties, but uh I might have been forty. But um oh yeah, I was. I was forty because he just turned fifteen. Um anyway I had was a relatively young grandma, but um, it still is a lot um, to take on. My baby's going to be 32 in two days. So, wow. Um, but I will. I'll take them on, and I'll gladly take them on because I love them, and um, I'll do anything for them. I just will, um, want them to know that how loved they are and how um, 
much their mother loved them. Yes. Um, if their dad wants to see him, he I let him see him, but he doesn't ask often. Um, and that's that's fine with me. I fine with that. I just want and, them to be happy and healthy and. Yeah, and I heard them um, uh, acting very normal <laughs> in the background, yeah. very happy and normal. <laughs> and they they quite often come in. And That's awesome. Funny, but. So uh, share with us about your foundation. Well, um, when Cammy got killed, I wanted to set up a foundation to help. We're living in a small community. And you would be, well, you probably know, you're a bigger community, but you're sickened to the amount of women and young girls that are in a domestic violence relationship and they can't get out of it or won't get out of it because they don't have any help and they're too afraid. So mm-hmm. um, we set up the County May Education or Foundation to educate um, that there is help out there and inform people more of, it's an epidemic. It's not even a, oh, some people get it. It's a lot. There's three women in a room. You're not the one that got abused, so those two women that you're standing by were 99% yeah. of the time. Or you're mm-hmm. one of the abused, so ho- luckily one of those haven't been. The, right. The, it, nobody talks about it. It's just a dirty little secret that nobody ever wants to talk about because they can't imagine. Some people can't imagine. We had a, um, my nephew uh, wrote a song, it's called Don't Wait by Garrett Garfield. And so he knew Kemi had got killed and how she got killed, but he just figured, oh my God, that's horrible. He hadn't been raised in that type of society and he had no idea until right. he started researching for the song how horrific it was. And um, so he put out sealers for a video and wanted them all to be domestic violence survivors. And so we set, put something on Facebook and we had a bunch contact us. Good. And some didn't dare appear in the video and some appeared in the video scared to death, but they did it. Um, so now that he's been convicted, we can go wider and farther. I want, uh, when, before he was found guilty, they kind of kept me on a short lease because they said that they needed to not muddy the jury pool. And it was such a small community, they wanted him to be able to get a, um, not not be able to appeal thing that he wasn't able to get a just trial because of all the publicity. So we kept it kind of quiet until then, and we just raised awareness. And now we're going to go full bore. We really need a house in Sanpete County for these um, young women. And yes. There's some men um, that are being abused, and uh, the closest one is an hour and a half away, almost two hours. And if you have a job and your kids have school, and it's too hard to just dump your entire life and leave. Yeah, it's too difficult. So I wanted Cammy to be remembered, and I wanted her to be remembered helping people. She, I had five people come up to me um, at her funeral, five or six, and they said oh, my God, I was in a domestic violence relationship, and she saved me. She got me out of it. She gave me the courage to um, get away. I don't know why that's what killed her. I don't know how that is what killed her. And it's true. Um, She had gotten all these people out, but she never took her own advice. She knew she was in a bad situation, but she was so desperate to be loved that she 
put up with it. And, I don't and you know what? What a legacy to leave, though, that she helped many people out of their domestic violence situations. Yes, she did. And, it, and they were eager to share because they had gotten her away. And they were young and they were alive. Yeah. Well, and uh, Utah definitely has a major problem because uh, out of all the homicides, 40% of them are domestic violence related. That's high. Yes. It's the highest in the United States and Mexico. Yeah. And that's unfortunate. And the only reason why it is like that is because of the fact that the penalties are not bad enough. Because if the penalties were bad enough for those that perpetrate even mildly, um, they, uh, we, it wouldn't be worth it to them, would it? I think also, like I said, her previous ex, um, the kid's dad, got uh, he got more time in jail for violating his probation than he did for beating up the girlfriend for the assault. Exactly. He pled guilty to five domestic assaults, two in front of a child. And, and in front of his kids, and got three months, got time off after two, and house arrest for one month, and then um, he violated. He had a no contact order, or no a protective order, no contact order, and uh, no drinking because he was on probation, and they busted him several times for drinking and um, violating his probation, and he went for six months. He got out in five because good behavior and the jails and all being overcrowded or whatever. So he went more time for violating than he did for, and that was like the third time he violated. They finally put him away for six. They they took away his probation and said we're going to do it as unsatisfied and we're going to file it. You know, we're filing it as unsatisfied and he's going to do jail time because we're not right. going to let him be on probation anymore. Yeah, but so, how sad is that, though? I mean, he I know, gets more time for violating his probation than he does beating up women and children. Yeah. Well, he didn't beat on the children, just beat up women in front of two children that just lost their mother to the same thing. Wow. Frankie said, um, I don't really like her, Grandma, but I'm sure glad Dad didn't kill her. Oh, my and gosh. So, yeah. So he expected the violence to end in eventually in death because he just lost his mom to that. And and I'm sure they've had therapy. How is that? How are they going doing with that and everything? They're doing pretty good. They are in therapy. They go to therapy every Friday. Um, And Frankie's now 15, and he wasn't going to go to therapy. He's been in there for since I um, got custody of Morver. A year ago, it was um, last September, so it's almost been two years. And um, he wasn't going to go because he was afraid that he would tell her stuff and that she would tell me. So she made an agreement that unless he had threatened to bodily hurt himself or others, that she would not tell me anything. But he's sure doing a lot better. Um, Good. So I don't know how his therapy's going because I, I'm not in the loop. But he is sure doing a lot better and. And Sophia was quite young when it happened, and she so misses her mom so bad. But to her, her mom just she doesn't really remember mom and mom mom. She remembers the pit by pictures. Mm-hmm. 
and sometimes say stuff that you re, you know she remembered her, but it's it's not as much as Frankie. Frankie feels guilty because he um, felt if he wouldn't have went with his dad that weekend, he could have protected her. But I'm and that's not his place. With him, right, and I'm yeah. afraid if he wouldn't have went with his dad that weekend, they might have all been killed. Yeah. I think you're right. You know what, uh, Tammy, you're totally my hero for sure because you just stood in there, you stayed strong, and you wouldn't let that Christensen guy get an inch. I don't blame you. You're you're like the best mom of all time for sure and the best grandma. I just try. I'm not – I don't think I'm anything, but somebody – I think anybody that had to do it would do it, and I don't wish it on anyone. I hope no one – ever has to go through it and do it again. It's too hard. Right. It's not. Um, I know several, well, I actually know of another young woman that's been killed and her mom is raising her kids, but she can't talk about it. She can't, she can't, um, she's just having, struggling. She's just lucky to raise the kids and um she can't hold it together. And I'm not saying that I'm holding it together by any means, shape or form, but the anger keeps pushing me through. I'm, yeah. I'm angry enough. That I'm going to do something to stop this. I have, right. We've got to all band together and stop this. this right. I agree. Be okay. it, it's not okay. It, you, it starts with little kids. These boys in high school are abusing their girlfriends and making them do what they want them to do. It, it, right. We've got to teach everyone that they don't have they need to be their own person they don't have to put up with it right they are loved people love them they are loved and they're and we want them safe there are you i'd rather be out of a relationship and all alone than put up with the mental emotional and physical abuse that some of these that's been handed down to people. Right. And you're right about one thing is um, it can be, they can be turned in high school, but they say that after high school, it's pretty difficult to turn an abuser. And that's the problem is, is we have taught our abusers to just jump through the, um, some hoops of taking a class and oh, you're okay. You'll never do it again. That's not what happens. And uh, you're just creating, you're just helping them learn another way of not getting caught the next time. Yeah, being more sneaky. And it also yeah. makes them, if if you go, if they abuse the girl and they only get a little slap on the wrist and they go back to her, it's harder, it's worse on her. The most dangerous time is when they try to live and leave, and I understand that. So they need to get help and make a plan and have a trusted friend right. so they can get out Right, and I never tell anyone to leave a situation. I just say prepare for safety. And that might be prepare emotionally for safety or prepare physically for safety. Because some people, you know, um, the psychological abusers, you need to prepare yourself psychologically, right? (laughs) I already had someone that I I said prepare uh, prepare for safety with this guy because I knew him and I knew what he would do. And he's already started to groom her. (laughs) She's already jumping through the hoops and um he hurts her every uh, emotionally hurts her every chance he gets so you know sometimes it's not just a physical preparation it's no, a psychological preparation 
You know, I had the, so mine was abuse. My abuse was from when I, and I was young. I wasn't very old. I, um, and I had four kids, four little kids. And I took the, I, I would rather, he, I was both mentally and emotionally and physically abusive. And I would rather have the crap kicked out of me than the emotional and mental abuse. And yeah. I and I hate to say that, but the mental abuse can be worse at times. It's far worse. Than physical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's far worse. They um, uh, sometimes you don't ever get over that, and and I'm not sure people ever do get over that. Um, psychological abuse is um, the baseline for all abuses because no one just walks up to someone and starts hitting them. What they do is they groom them no, first, they condition the them. It escalates from. Um, getting the door. I'm not. I'm not saying um, gentlemen don't hold the door open for you. They do. I'm just because mm-hmm. my son does. But um, I'm just saying it escalates from getting your coffee or opening the door for your. Um, are you going to wear that? Yeah. Um, are you? Can you put um, on makeup? Can you look nice? Yeah. Can you look nice? Um, Why are you wearing you're not going that today? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, and you're putting on a couple worse. pounds. Yeah. You need to take that off. Yeah, yeah, and and, and, and then yeah, they'll reach out and smack you. And yeah, we we excuse all so that sorry. behavior. I know. Until the yeah, exactly. we excuse all that. Oh, he just wants me to look good. We rationalize it all, don't we? Mm-hmm. I know I did. Yes, you do. Yes, and you just if you could if we could educate people so they know what to look for. Because like that, oh, I went out with this guy and he opened the door for me. He must be an abuser. I can't, I can't go out with him. Too, is too extreme. But then you go and you're like, well, I went out with him three times and he's already telling me I'm his and that my, I need to step back from my friends and I, yeah, and oh, I he wants to marry me. That's my favorite. Yeah, I'm like, uh, yeah. how fast was that, girlfriend? Yeah, yeah. you step back from that mm-hmm. relationship. That's a huge red flag. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You need that we need to show them, uh, educate them on the red flags and what to look for. I mean, right. because everybody's not um, going to abuse them, but they've got to see that Mr. Nice Guy isn't always who they think nice. they are. They're they're just being that way till they rope you in, and then you right. can't escape. Right. No. When once you're groomed and psychologically. Um, conditioned uh, you don't have it, you, it's very difficult and and uh you know i'm not bringing religion into this per se but as as women we grow up to want to be a good wife and a good mother and and we've always been told oh just stick stick it out just you can handle this is you'll get past this he'll get over this yeah and you shouldn't have to handle it. You no. shouldn't have to let him get over it. No. You're, you should consider yourself a better person than that. I, you're yeah. not what they say you are. You aren't. Right. Right. You need to step out of it and, I don't know, and tell someone, listen to someone. Help yeah, and just say, you know, is this normal or, or what would you think? And no, I tell no. everyone, if someone needs to talk about abuse, call me because I'll talk to them. Um, you know, a lot of people don't feel that they're qualified to talk about it. But you know what? If someone has a problem, they can call me. I'm fine with that. 
Right. And I'll I'll talk to him and I do understand you can't I can't say you need to get out of this relationship and you need to stop um right. doing this. And you can say that but they don't want to hear it. And until they want to right. hear it or get away from it, you're not going to get them out of there. I know. That's why I say just prepare for safety. And then I give yeah. them some ideas. I'll just say, you know, I'm concerned based on what you said. And um, it sounds like abuse to me, but um, I don't know all the circumstances. So this is what I suggest. And I'll tell them, get a bank account that only you know about. Start putting money in it. Take clothes to a friend's house. You know, stash that money away so that no one knows that you've got it so that you just have that little nest egg, um, you know, tell and yeah. tell no yeah. one, especially, um, in, I mean, if you have a very trusted friend, you can tell then tell them, but don't tell anyone what you're preparing to do because yeah, anyone, anyone, not even your own parents. And the reason for that is because right. sometimes because parents side with the other guy. Exactly. Oh, you can't leave him. Nobody in our family has ever been divorced. You got to that. What's your problem, Mark? Why does she want to leave you? You shouldn't. Yeah. And and oh well, I'm not doing anything. Well, he's not doing anything to make you. Why would you want to leave? And so, yeah. um, you've got to keep it to yourself. Keep it. Yeah. To the vest until you're ready to take off because it's not a safe. It's not safe. No. That's true. It's. Yeah, uh, you have to be so careful who you talk to. You just kind of get feelers out there and see who understands abuse and just say, hey, I have a couple questions. What do you think about this? And then if they say, ooh, that's not good, then you know you can pretty much trust them. Yes. Um, And normally, if you have a friend that you've had all your life, you know, most of your life, they're very trustworthy, and they are you only, but not always. So you've kind of got to say, um, yeah. kind of thing. But you, you kind of got to slip some things out there and just hope that. But yeah. I don't know. It's scary, and I don't know. I wish I knew more, and I'm going to learn more, and we're going to do everything we can to get this to yeah. stop. Yes, and uh, we'll make a dent. We all will make a dent together. So I so appreciate you coming on, Tammy, and telling us about Mr. Christensen and uh, what he did and what you went through and what his final outcome is, which is uh, gone forever, which is uh, it totally made my day. And like I said, I told numerous friends, you can't ruin my day today. (laughs) No one can ruin my day. An abuser is put behind bars for life, for two lives. So good. That made my day. Yeah. Well, Thank good. you so I much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Well, you're an angel, and um, and and God bless, and I love you. I love you too. Thank you. And yeah. we'll see you Have in a May, good night. Right? Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. For sure. For sure. Um, have a good night. You too. Bye bye. I just want to thank uh, Tammy for coming on tonight. Uh, She's an amazingly strong person and sharing this very difficult story about her daughter and about the outcome and about um, her her killer. And uh, so grateful, so grateful for the judicial system that put him away for two lifetimes. That's great. Um, You can never put an abuser away for enough lifetimes in my book. So um, kudos to, um, Judge Lee and Judge Bagley up there in San Pete County. Um, I totally love you. I think you're the greatest. I'll be honest, straightforward and honest right now.
She did talk about her foundation, the Cami May Foundation. Please uh, take time to go look at it, um, her website, uh, contribute if you can. She wants to prevent domestic violence. We all do. I think it's great. Contribute. She's an amazing woman and uh, stronger than than I, I, I can possibly imagine. My guest next week will be Leanna. She'll be talking about mindfulness and yoga and how it will help those who struggle with stress, anxiety, and depression. So let's look forward to next week, and please stay safe. Have a good night.